all, all transactions all are, are about trust essentially you know we do work with people that we like that we have a connection with so the kind of the emotional side of it is hugely important into the people we have a relationship with and you know you do need to kind of build and earn that trust it's interesting i think it is one of the things i um so i struggled with for a while in in kind of running free state because for me, the whole thing around sort of pricing became a bit of a game with clients. So actually, I think that in some respects, I kind of took it too far and we were not focused enough on kind of uh, on providing value kind of early and frequently so that you can share in the value later. You know, ultimately, this is about if you are really useful to the people who you serve, clients, customers, whatever it might be, you know, that is a valuable thing. And if you are useful, it's right that you can share in the value of that. But the you know the kind of fund the building block of that you're right, is trust because you can't really be useful if there isn't a basis of trust. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. In our community of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, we have many founders who want to create a positive impact with their valuable products and services, but are hampered by how they price. This affects both their financial and energetic sustainability. Do you feel unconfident and apologetic in the way you price your products and services? Or are you struggling to grow your business because you're always scrabbling for new customers? If so, this episode is for you. Lawrence and I are joined by Ben Johnson, founder, investor, mentor, and pricing coach. He shares with us five principles to help you price well. We discuss what they mean and share stories from our agency's days to illustrate each point. This is an incredibly valuable conversation no matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. You'll find some useful tips and stories that will unlock your pricing challenges and help you become more confident and therefore more profitable. The principles we cover are One, get out of your own way. Two, price the person and not the job. Three, give different pricing options. Four, provide a pricing anchor point. And five, always deliver value. Enjoy. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is the final for this season. Friday Fireside uh, here at the Happy Startup School. Uh, And it's our regular contribution to our followers and our community, particularly during the lockdown time, to give you a sense of inspiration, connection, and hopefully a bit of learning um, during these these times of uncertainty and upcoming uncertainty. So hopefully there's going to be stuff here that's going to be valuable that you can take away and use in your lives and your businesses. Uh, particularly with this one, it's for those of you who sell stuff, whether that's a service or a product, and you want to empower yourselves with uh, pricing more powerfully, pricing well. Uh, today we have the lovely uh, Ben Johnson. Uh, how are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. Very happy to be here. Uh, good to be amongst all these people. Thank you for having me. Uh, how's your day been today? The day today has been good. The sun's shining. It's warm outside. Um, feeling good. Looking forward to a little trip down to the beach later. Oh, that sounds nice. And as, all, as always, uh, got Lawrence, my co-founder here. How are you doing? Hey, everyone. <laughs> good. <laughs> good also day. Gonna, also going to head down to the beach later. I think it's pretty warm in Brighton today. Um, it, 
is sweaty. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I was camping the last few days. So I got back about half an hour ago. So <laughs> quick shower and now here I am. <laughs> cool. How was camping? Was it busy? It was lovely. It was actually not too busy. Went to Woo Woo or Wowo, not sure how you say it, um, up past Lewis, which is lovely if anyone knows the area. Um, so I know it was good. I can imagine the weekend will be busy. But yeah, I think we bunked off before school broke up. So obviously doing lots of homeschooling while we were there. But um, <laughs> Camera <forest> school twigs. <laughs> exactly. How about you? You look like a new man. I, I feel uh, more streamlined, a little, a little less laden with the hair. Yesterday, I made the commitment of actually going out and getting my hair cut. So I had someone in a surgical mask and a big visor sort of like trying to chat casually while cutting my hair. Um, but it's quite interesting. It's, it's, um, they said that there was a massive peak of demand and suddenly just tailed off. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with all those other people still um, shielding their haircuts. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it was, it's nice to, to feel a bit more pampered, if, if that's a better way of putting it. And yeah, because you're worth it. sorry, because you're worth it. Oh, because I'm worth it. Exactly. Check out the quiff. Anyway, no one wants to hear about my hair uh, today. Um, so in the polls, if you just jumped on the call, uh, it, it would really help us if you could just uh, answer uh, a couple of questions that we have in the poll. Um, so far, oh, we have. I was just about to say, uh, no one said that they feel powerful in pricing. Someone just did. Whoever you are, please say that in the chat. Because then mm. you know we know where you we know the power person here. But most people be, here probably Catherine <laughs> <laughs> feel calm and apologetic with their pricing. So we hope that there's going to be some really useful stuff here to to level up your pricing prowess. Uh, and I think the mo the majority of people here are founders. So people running their own businesses. <laughs> yes, a very good guess there, Lawrence. It was Catherine. She is power posing her pricing. Um, so uh, to begin with, uh, it'd be nice to get to hear more about Ben, actually. So you guys know, um, get to know Ben better. Uh, we've known him for a good couple of years now. So I think it's 2018. But um, why don't you tell us more about yourself, Ben, and kind of the, the journey you're on and the work that you do? Yeah, great. So uh, thanks again for having me. And hello to everyone there, everyone out there, just kind of... Uh, you exist as sort of lines in a chat box at the moment, but I'm assuming there are some actual people behind all of those. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm Ben. I uh, do a range of different things actually. So kind of my work these days is partly about teaching, partly about consulting, uh, partly about investing, partly about working with businesses. I'm kind of interested in providing kind of practical advice to people who run useful businesses. Uh, is a kind of way of sort of talking about it. Um, I have over the last 25 years been involved with running a few different businesses. Um, most recently, uh, I had a business which was an experience design business, uh, which we set up. I set up with uh, two co-founders um, quite a long time ago now. I was running that for about 15 years. Uh, that um, we sold to a much bigger design company a few years ago, and I took that as an opportunity to leave. Uh, I see Yvonne is on the call. Yvonne worked with us there, so good to see you, Yvonne. Um, and on the back of that, so when I came out of that business, which uh, was about sort of two, three years ago, in fact, for quite a long time, I'd been keen to keen to do other things. Uh, but then sort of coming out of that, I really had quite a sort of long period of sort of exploring, experimenting with different things. I actually, in many respects, was in a kind of bit of a bit of a sort of a bit of a kind of funk, really, trying to kind of work out what I wanted to do. I was keen to bring together sort of two aspects of my life, like part of my life has always been about creating, running businesses, so very interested in the commercial side. And another part of my life has been really about sort of Buddhist inquiry and really understanding kind of Eastern philosophy. And I was really, really keen and curious to try and find a way of bringing these things together. And a lot of the last sort of few years has been about that journey. And it's by no means a kind of clearer, clear picture yet, but it's certainly clearer. Uh, and it kind of manifests day to day, really, just in keen to just find practical advice for people who are running useful businesses. Uh, and that's kind of what what today is about, really. Brilliant. Uh, I love, you know, when we first talked, uh, and this was, I think, two years ago, Meaning 2018, I think it was before that conference. And what was the restaurant we were in, Lawrence? Oh, yeah. Silo. Uh, silo. silo. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, rem I, I can really picture it. Sat there in front of you in Silo, just talking about your work and your journey. And this, 
and, and over the past couple of years, this conversation, you know, your idea of Buddha in the boardroom and, and what aligns so much with, I think, you know, what we do at the Happy Startup School is that real, your practical experience, but taking it up a notch with actually what's really behind all of this stuff that we're trying to do and, and how do we, how understanding more about ourselves can, can help with leveling up our businesses. Um, so I think maybe to start off with, and you know, one of the things that you're doing at the moment, um, and I know we usually do the shameless promotion at the end, but I think it's really important to set the scene here. You're running a program at the moment to help people with pricing. Maybe just share a bit about that and what you do there. Mm, sure. And maybe in the spirit of shameless promotion, uh, I should kind of credit you guys for the fact that I'm doing that. Um, so I, for the benefit of, of everyone else, I just kind of finished working with these guys on their Vision 2020 program, uh, which was 20 kind of entrepreneurs, founders, all coming together to, to work on a program, essentially about kind of creating and launching products that would sort of complement what you do. Uh, I had decided to do that because, like I said, I've been sort of experimenting around with different things over the last few years. And when I came to talk to Carlos about the program, it felt like an ideal opportunity to kind of to to kind of to get moving in a, in a new direction. And one of the things that came out of the program was sort of settling on this idea that there's a kind of huge amount that I had kind of learned and picked up on over the last 20, 30 years running businesses and how I could start to sort of extract some of that knowledge um, to benefit other people and kind of particularly what we might sort of very loosely call creative entrepreneurs. I think part of my motivation was looking at the kind of, you know, the road ahead, the coming months, years even, which could be extremely challenging for for many, many businesses, you know, for sure, the kind of the the kind of consequence of the change which is happening now, all sort of COVID induced, of course, kind of will, will require businesses to kind of ensure that they're kind of resilient, that they're well set. And a kind of big part of that, of course, is about the money that you have. And so what you charge for things is what sort of contributes to that. And so one of the one of the sort of opportunities that felt kind of easy for me to do was to take a lot of what I'd kind of learned around pricing and all of that that kind of informs the commercials and put that into a program that would benefit, like I say, creative entrepreneurs. So the, the program you refer to is, is called Money Talks. Uh, and actually the first little cohort of that uh, we started yesterday. Um, so it was a good, exciting beginning. That's amazing. Uh, it feels like from, you know, learning more about the program is something you and me, Lawrence, could have really benefited from when we were an agency. Yeah, I think back to our was it business business link mentor that we were allocated when we first started out in business. Um, he turned up with a suit and a clipboard, I think, to our office. <laughs> but he actually it gave us similar advice, actually. He was, he was trying to help us uh, think about how we might grow our business and realizing quite early on that we were actually pricing too low which we thought was crazy, but I think it helped us think differently about building a business versus building an income, you know, as, as two freelancers basically working together as sole traders versus actually hiring a team and growing growing your impact and income as a business. And that, yeah, I think I think any business needs that mirror almost where you get someone on the outside just questioning maybe some of your choices when you, when you step out because you have no idea what to charge at the beginning. You're just like finger in the air and see what other people charge and maybe just anchor yourself against that which often isn't the best uh, best approach from from my experience anyway i no. think the the thing that struck s sticks out for me when you just were reminding me of that that those kind of meetings was i really didn't relate to that guy at all it, it felt like i was talking to uh, a lawyer or an accountant and we were web designers uh, and the way he was talking about our business was it felt like we could predict exactly what was coming up. And at that time, we had no idea what was going on. We just had we were just struggling to work out how what, what to charge for our work and trying to make that as profitable as possible, particularly because we were going to try and employ someone. And for me, it's as important, actually, if not more important, it's less about the content and really about that connection with the person who's trying to share with you some really core information. And I think the thing I missed with that guy was the the people side of it he was very much around the numbers all right you need these numbers to be make a successful business but understanding how to work with those numbers when you're talking to people and you're stood in front of someone and like oh, oh i'm worth this much but i'll give you a discount or I'll go a bit lower or what's the market rate or all of that stuff i wish yeah. i knew more off at the time it would have saved us a lot of heartache and also focusing on we'll touch on this i'm sure touching on the outcome like what what we're actually doing when someone comes to us saying i want a website you know what's the problem they're actually trying to sh solve yeah um and because that ultimately 
it's not about day rates or how much you charge per hour. It's like, what's the thing you're trying to do for people that will help them boost their business or get visibility or whatever it is they're trying to do. So yeah, that, that I think is, was a game changer. We start to think about value rather than just, um, yeah, basically selling your time. And so on that, I think uh, for, so people know what we're going to be going through because we're going to try and cover a few things over this conversation. Um, some ideas, but also because, you know, we've been through it ourselves, hopefully share some stories that will connect with you so that it, it feels like something you can take on board and think about more deeply. Um, so maybe, Ben, just cover over a high level kind of the things that you'd like to you know talk about, uh, and then we can go in through it to each one, one by one. Yeah, sure. So I mean, they're, they're essentially kind of five sort of key principles, if you like, which to my mind are what inform whether you're sort of pricing well or not. And the kind of first and most important, and I'll sort of share a little bit about how we came to kind of realize that. But the first and most important really is to do with your own confidence and getting out of your own way, because we bring so much of our own kind of story, our own baggage to pricing, you know, and, and we're not the ones who kind of benefit from the things that we sell. Our customers are. And likewise, the price that we charge is kind of not so much important to us. It's important to to the client. So getting out of your own way is the first thing. The second point is about pricing the client, not the job. And of course, I appreciate this is easier for some things than others, depending on what it is that you sell. The other thing is around the importance of how easy you make it for um, clients to choose you, which is around options that you might give, because often we fall into the trap of just giving a price. Uh, and that's very confusing for people, actually. Uh, and the, the fourth thing is then with options, the importance of kind of anchoring. So, so a little bit of what's kind of going on in the mind of the of the customer, the client at the point where you're talking to them. Uh, and the kind of fifth and most important point is, of course, about delivering value. And I think that's the really important thing for people in, in your community, particularly, you know, there's so much good intent, there's so much positive intent, there's so much of a kind of will, a desire to do well, and to do right by people. And that is valuable, you know, and I think that that's the most important thing. If you are delivering value, and you are being useful, then there are ways and things that you can do to ensure that you share in that value. And that's all we're really talking about. Brilliant. Cool. Okay. So that's what we've got in store that we'd like to dig a little deeper into each one. Um, so yeah, kicking off, uh, how do we get in our own way? <laughs> well, so I, I'll just show a very little story, which is how uh, I came to kind of realize how important this was, which sounds like a sort of sounds like much more this because clearly it's important <laughs> because it's about money that you have in your business. But really early on uh, in the last business, which was called Free State, um, we were so we we were selling to big brands. We were selling creative concepts, really, and kind of early on, we sort of, you know, we would meet lots of different people. We were quite successful at starting conversations, and we'd be in these various different conversations with people, and they all seemed to be kind of really positive, full of lots of energy, seemingly full of lots of opportunity. Um, and you know, at some point, as is inevitably the case, the conversation would wind wind its way to money. You know, what do you charge? How much does it cost? Uh, and um, we sort of misguidedly, but I think quite sort of commonly took the view that it was better to not charge very much to get a relationship going. A little bit of, you know, we won't charge you very much, you know, it'll cost a few grand or something. And really, we're going to prove our value to you. And that this somehow was the kind of important way of getting things going. And what would happen sort of time after time is all of that kind of positivity, all of the opportunity, which seemed to be present in the conversation up to that point, would just sort of evaporate and would disappear. And so we would kind of, we would basically, we would really not winning anything, but having all of these positive conversations. So it really felt like we were sort of pushing water uphill. Uh, and this kind of happened over and over and over and over again until at one point, and through no kind of design or intent or insight on my part, we were in another one of these conversations, same sort of thing, seemingly full of opportunity and possibility. Conversation got around to the money. And rather than just sort of really apologetically saying it'll be a few grand so we can show you what we can do. I just said it costs 45,000. Uh, and I didn't kind of offer anything else over and above that, didn't say anything else. And the client bought it straight away. It was just a great, let's do this. And then there's this kind of realization is like, fuck, you know, what's happened there? Something has clearly happened. Uh, and as a consequence of that moment, so then a couple of things sort of changed with us. One, we just started kind of pricing ever more confidently, ever more courageously from that point forward which actually, and then so the, the kind of consequences of that, it had the kind of almost instant effect of changing how we felt about our work. So we felt much more confident about our work. It clearly changed how clients and prospective clients felt about us because we were then clearly not seen, you know, we were seen as a kind of confident, 
you know, it's, it's all about then the sort of perception. So we were seen as a kind of trusted, reliable partner because we were coming confidently. So in that moment of changing what we charged by, in effect, 20 times, really, uh, we changed how we felt. We changed how clients felt about us. So we changed our positioning. So we changed how we were seen in the market. And of course, we then changed the amount of money that we had in the business, which is fundamental for whatever business that you're doing, whether you are ultimately motivated by profit or purpose or whatever it might be. You know, clearly money is the oil that makes the organizational wheels spin. So in that moment, kind of a huge amount changed, um, both for us and clearly for our market. Oh, awesome. Yeah, like Catherine said, great story. I was uh, thinking back actually to you and me, Lawrence, when we were doing our agency stuff. There's a because what I get from your stories is about really taking a strong stance, mm-hmm. uh, the way you work. And there's a you know there's a, when we were in business, there's this whole thing about doing um, designing for free. You know, was it? I forget how you phrase it, but you know when you people are expecting you to pitch with the design and not charge mm-hmm. for it. Um, and so, some people uh, just take a really strong t- stance on that. So like speculative work, really. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Um, um, yeah, that, that was always a bugbear, I think, is particularly with design work. It's like, oh, can you just send us, here's the brief, send us some sample designs and then we'll have a design competition where we pick the best one, you know, um, which is ridiculous. And it, it's, well, it was a good filter, I suppose, to know that you're either a good match in terms of how you work and your approach because I think for most design studios you you really want to sell your credentials and your approach and your ethos rather than doing pitch work for free essentially because mm-hmm. it, it's uh it's a gamble i mean it does loads of big agencies do it and they you know work around the clock to put in big proposals and do tons of work up front but it is a risky game and ideally you want people coming to you knowing who you are wanting to work with you rather than having to go in a, a big sort of well it's just a big lottery really to see who who, who in that company wants to with their cash and go with you and it's it's so subjective so you want to get away from that game if possible i'm curious around because the thing that springs to my mind is um, you're trying to build trust mm-hmm. at some point with the people that you want to work with and and that whole idea of speculative design work is like okay trust us we can we can fulfill a brief you give us a brief and we can fulfill it but i think there there's the, that relationship is suddenly a, a different footing you know as a as the agency you're you're just one step below Mm-hmm. Yeah. suddenly you're you're kind of like beholden to this person while on another level of giving free stuff we do that a lot this is free mm. so this crazy about this is free our blog posts our podcasts all these things are free but it isn't the oh we're trying to get work from you we're just trying to share value and so it feels less of a less of a power or a, uh yeah lesser power dynamic when you're, mm-hmm. when you're doing stuff like that, even though in principle it isn't that far off. I don't know. I'll just throw that out there as a thought. Yeah, you mean so the kind of just the question also about the, the sort of power dynamic essentially. Mm. Yeah. Because it's interesting, and it also, to Lawrence, to what you're, you're saying, you know, I think lots of big companies are sort of stuck in that sort of cycle or stuck on the hamster wheel of needing to be able to do that. But I think, you know, you ask anybody, the economics of that never adds up. The amount that you spend to do it, it never pays back in the number of projects that you will win. But of course, for people who run smaller businesses, you do have kind of more opportunity to kind of decide about what what is right for you. Uh, and you know, to what you're saying, Carlos, you know, all, all transactions all are, are about trust essentially. You know, we do work with people that we like, that we have a connection with. So the kind of the emotional side of it is hugely important into the people we have a relationship with. And you know, you do need to kind of build and earn that trust. It's interesting, I think. It is one of the things I um, I struggled with for a while in in kind of running Free State because for me, the whole thing around sort of pricing became a bit of a game with clients and also really pushing back against the whole doing pitches or free things. So actually, I think that in some respects, I kind of took it too far and we were not focused enough on kind of uh, on providing value kind of early and frequently so that you can share in the value later it became sort of too much, actually a bit too distracted by the the kind of game of kind of, you know, a cat and mouse game of kind of pricing, which is how I sort of was thinking about it. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, ultimately, this is about if you are really useful to the people who you serve, clients, customers, whatever it might be, you know, that is a valuable thing. And if you are useful, it's right that you can share in the value of that. But, the, you know, the kind of fund, the building block of that you're right, is trust, because you can't really be useful 
if there isn't a basis of trust. Awesome. Uh, it just reminds me of like back in our days that there were agencies out there um, who who would, took a really strong stance against doing speculative work. But what they did instead is they just marketed themselves really well, mm. whether they were in the speaking gigs or blog posting or podcast, whatever it is. They And then it felt like people would then go to them. And it was one of those things that I think we were, we were aspiring to, but we didn't mm. necessarily have the confidence to do it ourselves. We kind of stayed in our own little little bubble of trying to work. You know, we'll do it ourselves. We'll, we'll, we'll just work on this. We don't want to put our head above the parapet. Which yeah, I think Catherine or someone said about being phases of business, it felt like I think our first phase was just head down, blinkers on, thinking we know it all, not needing um, any input, whether it's mentoring or needing anyone else. You know, we're basically build it and they will come, you know, because we've set up this company, people will find us and everything will be rosy. Um, it doesn't work like that one, but in my experience, it's about word of mouth or it's about, you know, what you put out there. And so I think, yeah, companies like Clear Left and Brighton, we looked up to as organizations that ran events, ran conferences, became thought leaders, and it became less about them having to sell themselves, although I'm sure they still did had to. It was, the trust was there, like you said, the credibility was there, I think. And I think that's where, at the beginning, it's no one knows you, right? So if you're starting out a business, you're probably not going to spend six months building trust by putting content and marketing yourself. You're trying to sell your services. So it feels a little bit more desperate. You know, you're being more mm. reactive to what comes in. But I think the more you grow, the more you work on projects, the more you think, actually, I want to do stuff that actually means something to me, the more you want to be more proactive about the projects you, you bring on and also for them to be more profitable because mm. nothing worse than the project that didn't go well and you look at the numbers and how long you spent on it and the numbers don't stack up either so, yeah um, go so I, I was going to say because i think this does all come down to confidence i think this is also particularly this is kind of sort of pertinent at the moment though because i think there are lots of people running businesses quite rightly which are really kind of concerned about what the sort of coming months are going to look like in terms of sort of the economy and, and what's kind of going on and i think that then that has a kind of instant sort of feedback loop with our confidence and how we feel. And so the same thing that happens when you first set up in a business is you do kind of lack some confidence, really. You're you're you know you're needing you needing work. There is a kind of survival feeling, and where there's a survival feeling, you kind of feel feel compelled to take things on, and you're actually compromising yourself in doing that. And so I think one of the things I'm sort of um, sort of just sort of concerned about is that people as as people get nervous around what's happening with the economy, that they don't back themselves into the same kind of corner of mm. feeling, you know, shit, I actually just need to get something and then you're going to be selling yourself short. And I think just to the point on that, the kind of agencies that you're referring to, um, you know, that's all selling, isn't it? Because all businesses, whether you're just yourself as a freelancer or bigger business or whatever, you're really like the sum of the signals that you send and not pitching for work is a huge marketing signal, isn't it? You know, you kind of use that as a signal. I love alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, just to remind everyone else, we uh, there is a question, ask a question feature on Crowdcast. So uh, please uh, type in a question there, or if there is a question that resonates already, that's already been posted, please upvote that. And then that'll give us a chance to focus on the, the most popular questions as we go through the webinar. Um, someone has already asked a question here that I think we're going to be uh, talking about. I'm not sure you didn't have a name here, but do you have advice on how to price confidently as a new business organization? Listen for the next 20, 30 minutes. We, we, we hope to cover most of that stuff. Uh, in One thing I just touched, I'm sure we'll touch on later, but while you mentioned it was the idea of so much stuff being given away at the moment for free or certainly in the early stages of lockdown and how, I don't know, we found particularly with online, and this is something we're supposed to try and get into people, is there's a, there's a limit at which you give away and, and what you keep. And if, I, we found certainly with online engagement, commitment, it's really hard to get people to commit to something when it's free or, or very cheap. And actually how money might in turn help your customer or pricing well might actually help your customer think about the investment and therefore when they do engage in something, they're actually more more um fulfilled for it or actually they do the thing they want to do they commit to it and they think about that buying decision rather than oh i'll just sign up to that and then it's like another thing that's on their list mm. yeah because unfortunately we do we associate free unfortunately with kind of valueless in some respects so as soon as it is there it's like i can i'm take it or leave it if something is free i might do it i might not but exactly to your point kind of price becomes you know it's, it's an invitation to commit isn't it 
Awesome. Um, I, what we touched on, I think, before Lawrence was talking about was this idea of profitability. Um, and and if you don't price well, the, you know, what does that mean for the sustainability of your business? Um, so moving on to the next one is you, you talk about pricing the client and not the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I think that's something that we learned very you know, towards you know, the middle to the end of the, the agency world is about that's going to really help with your prof- profitability rather mm. than just thinking about well, time and materials. But yeah, my, why don't you share some stuff first, Ben, and then we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. So um, the thing around that is, like I kind of mentioned earlier, quite often, even in, in selling anything, because this is actually all really about selling, uh, in selling anything, we get kind of, so we get sort of distracted. We're, again, we get in our own way a little bit. And the thing to kind of remember with that is when we sell something to someone, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, whatever it might be, it's they're the people who they benefit, not us. We get a one-time benefit at the point of the kind of exchange, but hopefully the thing that you're providing provides benefit, provides value to that person over and over and over and on and on and on. So really the person who benefits from a sale is the other person. So it's about them. It's not about you. It's not about the seller. Uh, and it's really important to remember this when you're coming into any kind of negotiation, when you're talking about pricing anything is the benefit is theirs, right? So you need to understand what their kind of motivation is, why it is that they are kind of, why it is they're likely to make the decision about you. And if you're selling kind of services, I guess we'll just start on that because it's sort of easier a little bit. People come with all sorts of motivations. Yeah, there are, of course, tangible things like you were kind of providing, talking about sort of selling websites, things like that early on in your when you had your agency. And, you know, there are tangible reasons why somebody would buy a website, you know, something to do with they want new customers, they want to make more money, whatever these kind of tangible things about their business and the kind of return that they might generate. But then there's a huge number of intangible reasons too. And those intangible reasons are about wanting to spend time with you guys, um, wanting to learn from you, wanting to be associated with you, um, all all, all sorts of things, which basically are kind of much more kind of personal motivation. So we come to all of these kind of transactions with some, some kind of personal, some emotional, some professional, some organizational, some commercial, all of these things are motivations which inform whether I decide to buy the website from you or whether I inform to, whether I decide to buy the website from somebody else. And you can't actually provide an accurate price unless you really know more about all of those motivations because in there is the kind of juice, in there is the is everything that you need to know about why the person is buying because you know if you understand, if you better understand the tangible things that they want, i.e., where their business is today, and buying your website, where they hope that business, where they hope the business goes, you kind of understand some things around what your your value is. But if you also understand more about all of their intangible motivations, you can basically understand what the value of that is too. What's the value of spending time with you guys? Now, of course, it's harder to put an actual figure to these things, but these are the drivers that inform whether people choose you or not. And so the point is that um, essentially the longer you spend talking to a prospective client before you talk to them, before you get specific around money, by kind of general rule, the more you will earn because you learn more, you know more, you've built up more trust, more understanding, and it will be easier for you to start to kind of understand and explore together with the client. Well, what is the value of this work that we're doing? What is what is the gain? What's the benefit? What's the outcome? And the more that you've done that, then you can start pricing to that. And so that, that's about pricing the client, pricing the opportunity, not about saying, well, it's a website. There's 25 days work for that person, 10 for that person. Therefore, the price is this. Because you're, you're missing out. You're, you're ignoring the fact that the person who benefits is the person who's buying. And you've not really taken the time to understand what their motivations are. Brilliant. Yeah. You're going to say something? Else? I was going to say it makes me... The classic question, how much does a website cost? <laughs> <laughs> just a ballpark, you know. <laughs> well, there's um so there's two things that spring up for me. Firstly, um I'm gonna use a bit of alliteration, how how your values also inform your value. Mm. And when there is that values match, when you're talking about I I trust you, but when it's like I you and me, we're we're similar kind of people. There's a, I, there's, I feel that there's an increase in value already in what you do. Mm-hmm. And then the other aspect is the story around why you do what you do. And this is the whole Simon Sinek thing. But when I, when I think about this now, 
because a lot of the work that we we talk about in our programs and the and the uh, the courses, there's that kind of inner work. You know, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Which is great for your personal alignment and knowing what you what you want to achieve. But if you can turn that into a story that people really latch onto, I kind of get a feel like that adds value to what you do. And I think of there's a I recorded a podcast recently with Lindsay Lucero, who runs a company called Baxley Goods, uh, and her bags aren't cheap. But the thing that's really important about her bags is the story behind why she's doing it. And the story that, that that she's telling about the mission she's on, the uh, which is all about the environment, but also about giving people the right money, you know, her suppliers paying them the right wage, then that for the right person is valuable. Mm. It isn't no longer about the materials and the time it takes. Is that actually I I want to make sure this person succeeds. So that's what resonated for me. That's why I wanted to say for anyone who's like, oh. Well, what does that mean? Do I have to be like a slimy salesman to get close to someone? I think it's also about authenticity and story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, Carlos we spoke about a few weeks ago, uh, Victoria, who's also in your in your your program, who's creating kind of the amazing face masks, and she kind of been saying that she was kind of reluctant to profit in a pandemic. And and the thing around this is that. Uh, you know, like we're talking about, whether it's kind of it's pricing the client that there is a kind of authentic. You're being authentic, and there is there is a connection. But for some people, it's you know, some people do define themselves by how much they spend on things, and that they feel more comfortable. You know, they have ability to spend more. They want to spend more because there is a personal connection with people, and it's important for them to be seen to make investments in people that they kind of trust and have a connection with. And so it's just about the more you understand all of these things and take time to find out if there is a connection, as you put it, then you have the kind of grounding, the foundation for being able to sort of share that in that value. Hmm. So it, it kind of links to number one about not getting in your own way. Yep. Around so yeah. your perception, your own perceptions and beliefs around what is valuable, and also what you would. I, I find a lot of people, if they wouldn't pay for something, pay that much for something themselves, they find it hard to think why someone else would. You know, why would someone pay thirty pounds for a mask? Yeah. yeah. Well, why not? Because and like with Victoria, she's got an amazing story. She's building a social enterprise, um, and she's building a really quality product. Um, mm. Don't think about what other people might charge because, like you said, they might be willing to pay more for a reassurance about. Like I said to her, people spend thousands of pounds on a handbag. Why would you not spend 30 quid on something that might save your life? Exactly. Yeah. Life? So it's, you know, if you try and frame it in a different way, it's, mm. it's it, like you said, it's about beliefs, isn't it, and confidence. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, so the next topic that uh, you were mentioning was uh, around the idea of giving options. Mm -hmm. um, maybe uh, give us some groundwork around that so that um, people can understand a bit better. Yeah, so um, this is me. I mean, like all of this sort of stuff. So I am basically kind of pillaging lots of other people's sort of deep research and insight around all of this and then applying it for uh, just practicing with it, essentially. And so the whole thing around options is a super well studied thing in the kind of behavioral, behavioral economics, behavioral science space. Uh, and, you know, just the, the kind of quirk of the human brain that's uh, when we just provide a price for something uh, or we give an option for something, the brain can't compute it. It's like us sort of sticking a sort of metaphorical spanner in the kind of in the kind of brain mechanics. The brain needs comparisons to make value judgments on things. We just don't know really what things are worth. We have kind of vague kind of references in our mind. So, you know, I have a pen. We have an idea about what a pen might cost. But it's based on a bit of a vague story that we're not actually that sure about. And so if I just say, you know, this pen costs sort of five pounds, we'd have no fucking idea whether that was kind of worth five pounds. As soon as you add in some other options, I've got this one for five, I've got this one for 15, and I've got this one for two pounds 50, the brain can make sense of it. It's like unscrambling the brain. And so it, it kind of feels much more comfortable about the decision. And what happens a lot of the time, and, and I guess this is – kind of particularly so where we're selling services in a business-to-business -business context. We kind of think that it's better, you know, somebody's asked us for something. And so we say, okay, well, yes, we'll do that. And it'll cost you £10 or whatever the, the figure is. But when we don't provide options, we're actually making it harder for our client to buy from us, which would seem like a ludicrous thing to do if you ask somebody whether you want to make it harder for clients to buy from you. But the effect of not providing options is actually to make it harder to buy. And what we're actually asking the client to do 
is to compare us to other people so that the client can feel comfortable with the decision. And you kind of made reference a little bit earlier, Carlos, to the power dynamic in, in these kind of conversations. A lot of this is around is about is, is around controlling controlling the options, controlling the, the kind of choices so that there is a bit more of a, a kind of even exchange. Uh, and so the thing around sort of offering options is you are you're kind of you're just helping helping control that dialogue. You're actually making it easier for them to buy. Yeah, I was just uh, amused by Kim's uh, <laughs> Kim's example about right. working with kids. It's like, yeah, I, I think that's I a great mean, one because if you answer the child's like, "What do you want?" I don't yeah. know. None. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think Kim, that point is brilliant. Everything, in fact, basically all advice, everything about running a business, just the, the best business school is to spend time with children. Yeah. I think that, that informs everything, essentially. It reminds me of Altitude, you, you, that idea you had about uh, pitching to kids, Lawrence. Yeah, we didn't have time to do it, did we? Because we, we brought our kids to the first Altitude. A few others did as well. And, and the idea was to have like a Dragon's Den pitch where we all left the room, but the person had to pitch their idea to the five-year-olds. And really? if they could then relate, relate back to us afterwards, then... Or well, they would... stayed in the room and yeah. they could relay it, all of that sort of stuff. It, it's a perfect, perfect measure because we really think that people are much more sophisticated than that. But really everything that happens in the playground is just what happens in the kind of work ground. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also about, particularly with messaging and, and that simplicity, isn't it? Like if you can't communicate it to a five-year-old, then it's probably not a simple idea or not simple yeah. enough. No. I, at a personal level, I, I I really like the idea of working with something. Like when I get a blank page, a lot of the times, like, what do I? How do I start? But then, having something there to work with, I feel like I can engage with it more. There's something like you said in the brains, like okay, I know the parameters I'm I'm working within, uh, and maybe that's just me and people like me who like that that level of uh, structure, of course. Um, but it feels like. Um, having those uh, those options and ways to compare just creates a feeling of safety. It's like when there's nothing there, it's like uncertain. It's like oh, I'm scared. I'm scared of what if I'm going to make a wrong decision now, and so I'm going to run away. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to say is like on one level, people might think of this of oh, this is a bit of manipulation. This is a bit of like you know, sort of voodoo magic. But I think it's also just having a bit of compassion for this person who's got to make a decision. They, Your job, your service, your product might be the best thing for them. And you're actually give, doing a disservice by not making them make it easier for them to work with you mm -hmm. rather than, oh, I'm going to find some really interesting tactic to manipulate their choice. Yeah, I think it is, it is really important that because, you know, it, it isn't about the manipulation. Of course, you can use all of this stuff to manipulate. That's all true, right? But equally, what is equally true is you don't want to, you know, you can't have clients or customers feeling a little bit uncomfortable at the point at which they're trying to decide whether to buy from you or not. That's just not in anybody's interest. And I think if, you're, if your motivation and your intent is positive and you are trying to be useful, then that's the important thing. It's all about your intent and your orientation and your motivation. Then there's kind of nothing wrong with this. You're actually just helping clients and customers buy. Awesome. <clears throat> uh, uh, Catherine was talking about providing detailed budgets for clients and and get them getting overwhelmed. And it, I think it relates back to the second point you're saying is like pricing the client. Mm. Where are they emotionally? What kind of situation are they in? We kind of covered a bit of this when we were in the 2020 Vision Program right through this kind of um, crisis. You know, when people really don't know what's going on in about mid-March, it's like selling a six-month program at that point when no one knew what the hell was going to happen next week, what's more next six months, wasn't understanding what the clients were needing. And so there's that real level of empathy, I think, mm -hmm. is what you're talking about, which relates to your kind of Buddha in the boardroom aspect of all of this, I think. Is that really having that compassion for the person, what is it they're struggling with, or not only in terms of the problem trying to solve, but trying to make a decision right now. How can you deal with that? And giving them some something to hold on to. Uh, which for me leads on to this idea of number four, which is anchors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing around anchors, if if options help the customer, your client, uh, kind of make sense of what you are offering, the anchor helps your client make sense of the options. Um, and so again, it, it's it's the it's the point, it's the kind of reference point from which the client's brain can go, okay, this feels like good value, or it doesn't feel like good value. 
Uh, and again, this is me just sort of pillaging the kind of years of good work of sort of highly esteemed behavioral scientists. Um, but the, the whole thing that, you know, is kind of known that the, the kind of first figure that we hear when we're talking to somebody is the figure that the brain holds on to. And in a clearly sort of totally ridiculous sort of quirk of the kind of human brain, if I was talking to you about selling your websites back to you uh, and we had been having a conversation and I had just sort of said over and over in that conversation, I don't know, I'd said kind of two and a half million, even if I was talking about two and a half million people and that that was the conversation we were having, that I've kind of offered the number up over and over and over again is the number the brain uses as a reference. So we might have been having a conversation around two and a half million, two and a half million people. We then come to talk around uh, the work that we might do together, uh, which is 30,000 or whatever it might be. The brain is unfortunately taking that number that it was given first, that first piece of information as the key bit of information from which it sort of decides whether something is good value or not. So that that's just about the sort of the quirk of kind of anchors essentially. The point the point around this is the choices are important, like we said, because it helps somebody make sense. And then the range is really important because it helps people make sense of the options. Where this sort of, the important thing is though, is to link this back to what we were talking about earlier on about pricing the client. Because the more that you know all of the things that the client needs from the, from the engagement, from the service, from the product that you're providing, you should be, what you should be aiming to do then is provide a range of options which talk to those needs. So there should be something which basically gives them, you know, you kind of, you've kind of taken time to understand everything that they might need. So there should be a much higher priced option, which basically has you providing all of the value, everything that the client expects without any risk or whatever it might be. And for that, there would be a high price. Uh, and that high price then serves as an anchor, serves as a reference point that gives the client a range of options to explore from that point. So, you know, the, the kind of options and anchoring in themselves are kind of tools and devices that you might use. And to somebody's point, you know, the, it's whether it's about kind of manipulation or, or kind of whatever, it's just it's about helping them make a choice. When you link it back to pricing the client, not the job, you've taken the time to really understand what's important for them. You're providing a range of options which talk to the breadth of things which are which are critical. But the anchor in itself is just is a reference point from which kind of judgments are made about the other costs essentially brilliant yeah the feeling i'm getting oh, go to the go i was just going to say in that book i shared there's some um good case studies where they i think they had people enter enter a shop by different doors and it, like you said about the framing uh, the anchoring you know if they saw the most expensive thing first they would behave very differently than if they saw the cheapest thing first yeah. and loads of studies around this stuff and how even if we know of these principles yeah. it still works you know, I know that's the terrifying even thing. You, sometimes you buy and you're like Oh God, shit! Yeah, that worked. <laughs> and I studied this stuff. The feeling I'm getting from this is um, um, this idea: we want to make it make people feel safe mm -hmm. when they're making this decision. There's any level of uncertainty, any level of confusion, uh, even if they buy from you, that's not going to give a very good vibe mm -hmm. with the relationship. And so, all, while all of these feel like tactics, it, if it increases the confidence, not only for you but the confidence of the client to work with you. And they feel like I've made the best decision because I know exactly why, whether that's a fictitious anchoring or not, how they feel about that choice is so much more, or as you know, significantly important when they're trying to pay the money to you. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, the strong example, all that is, uh, I'm a bit of an Apple fanboy, is like, there's a kind of a joy from paying that much money. And some people might think that's really sadistic. But you like, oh my God, this is a beautiful piece of machinery, and I want it, and I'm going to pay that much money for it, and it's because you're worth it. Yeah, because you're worth it. But um, well, I think what I'm, what well, I'm that's trying to thing, get I think that's, a good, that's a good point, though. I remember I was talking to someone fairly recently. Said, "Have you ever been really happy to pay a lot of money for something? You know, like you just said. And if someone's thinking about, I can't charge that amount of money for something, like, well, have you ever done that? And chances are, you probably have gone. Yeah, I deserve this, or it's part of my identity or it's a reward or whatever it might be. So I think it's it's an important point that actually you can pay a lot of money for something and be happy to make that purchase. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But it still has to work. Yeah. <laughs> and so the last point here is about delivering value. Yeah. So do you want to share? Uh, was, that? Yeah, I guess that should really be the first point. 
I think you know this. You know, not, not run away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've got the money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Goodbye. Really appreciate that. You bought the most expensive one, and now I'm disappearing, never to be seen again. Um, I, you know, I think, and this is again, we kind of referenced this earlier. This is particularly true for kind of people in in your community, where you know the intent that people are coming to their endeavor with you know, is kind of hugely, whether it's kind of social, you know, socially motivated, environmentally motivated, community motivated, whatever it might be, there's so much kind of positive intent in there. There's, you know, it's a kind of, it, they are useful, they are, that's useful work. And if you are, you know, if you have the client in mind, if you understand what is kind of important to them, and you know, and believe the thing that you do is is useful, is valuable, is helping them, then you're entitled, quite rightly, to share in that value. And of course, that then, you know, is just kind of one point around why people should feel okay about embracing this. But ultimately, if you do that, you will continue to what you were just saying there, Carlos, about the relationship. The relationship will continue to thrive while you continue to be focused on understanding what the thing is that the client wants and keep providing that and keep providing that. You will continue to provide value. And if you continue to provide value, then it goes in a kind of virtuous circle. But yeah, ultimately, if you're useful, all good. And if you're not useful, then it's all bit screwed. But that kind of is sort of self-evident, really. Yeah. One company that comes to mind when I think of this stuff is Patagonia. You know, yeah. they're, not, they're not cheap by any means, and but they've got a really strong social environmental mission. People love the brand, love their products. They're good quality products. But they position themselves in, you know, if we want to make an impact, we can't do that if we go to the lowest price. And so there are great examples of companies with a strong purpose who do charge and price well. Yeah, because it is, you know, it is, it's the, it's the engine, isn't it? You know, they basically have the funds, they have the resources to kind of, you know, in their case, invest in huge kind of lobbying campaigns, taking on the Trump administration, and also commitments to what they give to, to sort of charities, they're kind of using that as a absolute kind of force for good and you know money is the building block for that so that's true whatever the purpose you know the, if you are running a purpose-led business the money is the thing that allows you to deliver more of your purpose there's something there about the price um sort of like enforces the quality you know the reassuringly expensive mm. one aspect that sprang to mind um and so having that well appreciating that um, and I think also that re reflects on you. It's like if you price high, you'll put more energy into something. You will yeah, devote you're on the line. Yeah, you'll devote yourself to mm -hmm. to making that the the best thing it could be. So um, I think for for people who who feel a little bit challenged, maybe about you know, am I delivering enough value? Is it is it the thing I want to want to create? Or is is am I at the level? You know, am I good enough? Is this going to be good enough? I think one aspect is like as long as the intention is to be there, you know, mm -hmm. particularly for the beginning, you're going to learn along the way. And there, there are other details around how you can price your way further up the for the ladder, uh, and that's why you go into Ben's program if you want to learn more about this <laughs> stuff. But, um, but I think it also it's yeah. it's about I was going to say um, it starts the conversation like why is it expensive? Yeah. You know, because some people just say oh that's ridiculous I'm not going to pay that. But other people might go okay. Well, and then it starts a story, like you said, and explains the value and this journey maybe we're taking people on or anyone's taking people on where you create that value together. Exactly. And that's where I believe <clears throat> as you work more closely with people and you learn more and more what is the real value, because a lot of the time we think we're going to have to deliver like 100 things in order to deliver the value. When you learn actually in the end, it's just maybe a couple of things that and this is when you're talking about price the client, not just the job. It's like, what is it that they're trying to achieve? Then you're able to, to really, I think, double down on the stuff that counts. And that affects the profitability. And then also the messaging. I think what you're talking about is like, this is what people want. So this is how I focus what I'm going to be talking about rather than trying to bombard them with too much information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep. Again, shameless promotion bit. Ben, uh, you have this program going on. Uh, if people want to find out more about it, uh, where do you want to point them? Uh, if they go to uh, the website is 10percentbetter.co, uh, and on there you'll find a link to which is called Do This, which is Money Talks. Um, but yeah, so go go have a look there. Talks about everything in there. Uh, as Lawrence put put the link up. And if you've got any questions, email me. To, so too, totally happy to 
chat about it all. Brilliant. Uh, I feel the value with all of this is, you know, you've got so many nuggets of wisdom from this call, but it's the doing it and being supported while you're doing it. And so I think anyone who's thinking about trying to take that journey of re repositioning themselves or thinking about pricing, if you can do it with other people, you will be, you'll save a lot of time and hassle. Yeah. yeah. And One of the things I just add in that, Carlos, I think uh, next week is I'm going to put up a little um, kind of work worksheets essentially for to help people start to try, try and kind of work through some of these things. So if you go um, go to the website and put your put your name down uh, in the next week or so when that that's ready, I'll send it to you. And so it's an opportunity for you just start to kind of working through these things. Because I think in addition to the point around doing it with other people, all of this stuff is about practice. Whether about, whether it's about confidence, whether it's about pricing, practice, practice, practice. Excellent. And you can take the slow, stupid route like myself and Lawrence in mm -hmm. learning how to get this stuff done. Or you can accelerate it by working with people like Ben uh, and, and really getting down into, into the weeds of all this stuff. So this, yes, we, we are, this is our final fireside, Friday fireside for this season. Uh, we'll be taking a break for August and then we'll, yeah, we're going to be back in September. One way or the other, we're going to be doing something in September. So we're looking forward to uh, bringing more of these conversations, uh, a more human, I would say, view on this business stuff, not just about the tactics and the strategies, but also relating to what it's really like to do this stuff rather than say, yes, this is the seven-point plan to success. No, giving you some grounding that you know, the, it's hard, but we're here to help you. Um on the whole pricing thing and positioning thing, you know, we've learned a lot from Ben. We've learned a lot from our own mistakes over the past few years. Um, it's one of the things that's helped us with the second cohort of the 2020 Vision Program, understanding it isn't just about putting a number on a screen and then people will buy it. It's really about creating relationships, engaging with people, building that sense of trust and safety. Uh, and that's something that we really value as, as a process you know, being able to talk to people like Ben, being able to be upon people on this journey. So if you're interested in in connecting with these right people, uh, we have another cohort of the 2020 Vision program that will be starting next year. This one's already full. It's amazing. We, we kind of like sold about uh, a quarter, nearly a third of the tickets just this week on this final. We had a bit of a webinar on Wednesday. Um, but if you're interested and you want to find out more, then the, check out the website. Lawrence shared the, the link there. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share, Lawrence? No, just thanks. Well, nice comments. Um, it's been great doing this, really. I think thanks to everyone who joined us every week or newbies who joined us for the first time today. Um, it's one good thing that's come out of lockdown, really, is this this series that seems to be part of what we do now, getting a chance to bring in people like Ben and people we've learned from over the years. So, um, so yeah, looking forward. To, we've got a growing list on Trello somewhere of other people that we want to invite on. So... Yeah, luckily, um, there's no shortage of, of great people to invite. So, yeah, looking forward to a bit of a break because I think I feel like we deserve it. But um, <laughs> also looking forward to coming because back. We're worth it. <laughs> we are worth it. Um, and, but on that, if you have any ideas for a, a topic or a person that you'd love for us to talk to, please email us on hello at happystartups.co. Because um, we're, you know, we, we're always up for learning new things and, and expanding our, our network. I don't like the word now. Stand expanding our friend work or friend business friends. Business friends. Expanding our list of business friends. Um, that'd be really, really great. Uh, so please do that. Uh, and we have, I think we've done 20 of these now. Apparently, yeah. So there is a whole archive of stuff that you can watch on Crowdcast. So go check it out. Um, we'll have that. Uh, yeah the topics of the range from all sorts of range from having no idea to this around pricing and uh inner leadership everything you want so check out the catalog kim you're on the list she, she's shown confidence there pitching exactly. for exactly last week so yeah Boom. Doing that. okay you're on the list great thank you very much everyone have a thank great you. summer uh thank you very much ben, yeah, cheers, ben. It's been great thank you all good catch you later okay bye-bye Bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. 
amongst many other things about business and life, will help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?